Okay, folks, we're back here. The long-awaited podcast with Bill Falsey. How you doing, Bill? I'm doing very well. I should begin with apologies. I said Why? I would do this a year ago. It took me a whole year to it's, get it's, here. It's true. It's true. So after the earthquake, this is what we're going to talk about. The main focus will be the earthquake, a year, a year, the year anniversary. But after it happened, I think I saw you not long after, and I said, because the city did such a good job with the command center and all the response. I said, we got to do a podcast. And I said, yeah, I'll do a podcast. And then I was either so sleep deprived, I forgot about it or got swept up in other things. But now at long last. One year. I have we're here. Yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about the earthquake. But, but real quick, I want to talk a little bit about you so folks know. So you're the city manager, but formerly the city attorney. All true. Yes. And 2015, you started when Mayor Berkowitz was elected? Yeah, or? I came in with the mayor. I had sort of gotten to know Ethan when he ran for Congress initially. That's sort of my original Alaska story. I was running a lot in 2008. I was going to go run from where I was living in Rogers Park to Westchester Lagoon. I heard on the radio that candidate Berkowitz was going to be debating Congressman Young. And so I ran to UAA instead, went up to the mayor, well, then candidate Berkowitz in my sweaty running clothes and said, as it turns out, I'm moving to Washington, D.C. You were, you were physically running. Physically running in very sweaty running clothes. Nice. And said, hey, I'd, I'd be happy to volunteer for you. And that's how we sort of got to know each other. So winding the clock forward, 2015, he gets elected, and I get a call more or less out of the blue saying he's on the hunt for a municipal attorney. And you had uh, said you had worked in D.C. for a while, right? I did. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, took us to Washington, D.C. for what we thought was going to be one year and sort of accidentally turned into five. Wow, so you were, were you with BLM? I ended up working at BLM, yes. I was in the Department of the Interior Bureau of Land Management. Where'd you go to law school? I went to Yale for law school. Oh, my God. I, I did not know that. Well, oh, my God. No big deal. That, and that's what the I, podcast I just, is I for, to, I went to Yale. No, you know, no. I, was the, I was the only Alaskan my first year, and I was one of two Alaskans my second and third year. The other guy— Didn't Forrest Dunbar go to Yale or maybe did. undergrad? He did, but we didn't overlap. I was—I think I was five or six years ahead of him. Um but like I was going to say, the, the only other guy from Alaska while I was there was the son of the Ninth Circuit judge at the time. And he had no desire to ever come back. I think that experience in some ways uh, gave me much more of a filial piety for the state. That I felt like all of the people I went to law school with went in with all these big ideas about what they wanted to do to make the world a better place. And they all ended up in New York, D.C., San Francisco, Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And not everybody went home. Somebody had to go home. So I, so, so you, you, you said you moved here in eighth grade. That is true. My dad was a dentist in the Air Force, so we were stationed at Elmendorf before it was Jay Bear, and I had moved all around before then. So you, you're, you're like me. You can't you can't say. I mean, I moved here when I was 19, but if if you moved here when you were you know a week old, it's like you can't say born and raised. Yeah, you can't, outside you know. <laughs> of Alaska, I am I'm from Alaska. Here, it's a much more complicated story. Even if your parents were like on vacation and they were from here for five generations if you weren't born you know it's born and raised that's right I mean, you, you see the people who run for office it always says years of residency i think we're the only state that does that i mean if you run for office <laughs> in pennsylvania i don't think it says how long you've been <laughs> yeah, living there because because <laughs> people have been living there for fucking 400 years um so yeah so what i want to talk about is the one year anniversary of the of the earthquake and, and knock on wood we don't we don't have a repeat but um you as city manager were kind of in a lot of ways a face of that because you were on the TV so much and giving updates uh, for folks in Anchorage. So I want to kind of just talk a little bit about, you know, where, where you were. I mean, I was home. I've talked about this. I've done some, I actually did a podcast with the guy from the earthquake. Uh, oh. What's it called? The Alaska earthquake center. Yeah. It was with the, with USGS. We yeah. did a, 
podcast a few weeks after the uh, the quake. We talked about it, but but yeah, I was home at eight thirty. I was getting out of bed naked, yeah. and I, I felt the brief jolt, which we've felt a million you know, a lot here. Yeah. And then it just started going, and I, I actually really thought my I was in the kind of second story of my condo. I thought it was coming down. Wow! Convinced I was like, this is. And my roommate's in the shower. You know, two grown ass men running around, and then, you know, my refrigerator, uh, sto- everything was in the middle of the kitchen. Just, just nuts. I had at least two advantages over you. One was I was not naked, and number two was I was outside. So I think I had a very different experience from a lot of people who went through that earthquake. Where I was, I was dropping off my then three-year-old son at Montessori school, and we. Uh, my full story is we often would look at the moon as we walked into school. The moon was pretty full that day, and there was a planet next to it. So we'd been talking about what planet it might be. I dropped him off. I come back. I'm reaching in my pocket for the Google star map to figure out what it was. I never found out the answer. Uh, later, I found out it was Venus. But while I was reaching into my pocket to see which planet it was and literally staring into space... I start hearing the sound. The cars start shaking. See, I, I've heard people say they've heard they hear us outside. Even people instead said they heard something. I didn't hear anything. Yeah, it was like a train, or I mean, it was a heavy rumble, and then everyone sort of, sort of looked in every direction. And then I saw the cars all start sort of rocking, and I was right next to a street sign. I held the street sign, and I, uh, you know, further down the rabbit hole, I had just finished watching Twin Peaks season three. And I don't know if you've seen Twin Peaks season three, but there's a pretty climactic well, scene. What's Twin Peaks? Is that about what's Twin Peaks, Jeff? We have remedial work to do. We do. What uh, Twin Peaks, you know, 1990, 91 era ABC show. It ends with a cliffhanger. They did a Showtime season three that came out maybe two years ago now. It's very strange. David Lynch, it's like I've, I've heard, I've heard, I've heard of it. It's worth the time. But that's a whole separate podcast. We could do a whole Twin, Twin Peaks podcast. Twin Peaks But cast. in any event, I was saying that because there is a climactic scene where the lights flicker in that. And I'm standing outside and behind me, the whole of Anchorage Montessori School blinks on and blinks off in a way that felt very familiar to the Twin Peaks. So... My, but the upshot being though, I went back inside to go see how everybody was, and everybody was shell shocked. Everyone was under tables, was under your, desks. Was your kid inside? Yeah, and they were all under you know little preschool tables. There's a girl who's screaming, who had been on the toilet, who was pulled onto the floor with her pants still off. My son was totally blasé about the whole thing. I think actually kids interestingly experienced this earthquake. Very differently depending on how old they were. I think when they were really young, they sort of onboarded it like, oh, I guess this is another thing in the universe that happens from mm-hmm. time to time. The older kids, I think, are more traumatized by it. But he, at the age of three, I said, James, how you doing, buddy? And he goes, Dad, can I have a snack? <laughs> and I said, yes, I think you can probably have a snack. I'll see you later, buddy. <laughs> and then headed back outside. Um, did you? So did you leave me at the school or did you? did you have to... Go to work? I mean, I'm assuming the school kind of probably stopped, right? Yeah, I left him at school, but that was so right in the moment that I don't know. uh, I'm not sure I had fully realized the full magnitude of it. I knew it was a big earthquake, but it wasn't as though the school had fallen down or it wasn't even like walls had cracked inside the school. So I left thinking, wow, that was a big earthquake, but um, no real reason to think that everybody's going home right now. See, which which I've experienced. I was, you know, three or four years, maybe it was longer Remember that one? It was like two in the morning, two thirty. Mm-hmm. It was like the six point. It was pretty big. And I was up on the Sheridan in the one of the top suites. It was Ooh. for the Burns supper. And after the Burns supper was over, you know Robert Burns. They have the Scottish British thing every year, this dinner. And a bunch of folks were up in the suite, and I got invited to kind of go up there. There was food and drinks and partying. And the building shook once. And I said, I was talking to this woman, and I said, Oh, don't worry. It's kind of like. It happens, you know, and then the fucking thing started just going like insane. And I'll never forget, I seen the Denali, the McKinley or the yeah, McKinley Tower. 
in the distance. And I saw it like moving about 10 degrees and I said, holy shit. Yeah. And then it was shaking so hard the chandelier in the room was like hitting the ceiling. And it stopped and it started again and then the power went out. And I remember everybody just kind of stopped and they were like looking at each other. We all went down the stairs. There was like dark, you know, in the in the lobby of the Sheridan. But but even if that even that was big, and I've been in some other big. When I first moved here in 04, 05, I was home and there was a remember that Denali seven point something seven point eight. Mm-hmm. But 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 this one, you know, right away I just knew this is like so different. I knew something was like... Well, that's interesting, because I do remember the one that was in early 2016, which was similarly sized, I think, but further away. I was inside for that, because I don't have the life that you lead. You were, you were partying at 2.30 th- in the morning. asleep in my bed. <laughs> and I, but I started going down the hallway to check on my daughter, who was sleeping. And that was the first earthquake that I almost fell over. I was sort of stumbling mm-hmm. the house was moving so much. To, to, to hear that the seven point one on November 30th was even a next level order of magnitude and, above that. That's pretty amazing. You know, I think 2.30, whatever it was in the morning, it's, it's like so many people are asleep that, you know, some are going to wake up, some aren't. But but the the 8.30 timing of the November 30th was just such a strange, because everybody's up mostly going to work, getting to work, getting out of bed. And it just affects everybody so much more than a two o'clock or three or four or five in the morning yeah although we've told the story now with the distance of time that in some ways that was perfectly timed because eight thirty in the morning on friday was at the moment where the police department has two shifts one shift is ending at nine one shift has started at seven thirty, and mm-hmm. likewise the fire department i think changes over right about that same time so we immediately told everybody to stay so an eight thirty earthquake meant that we were double sized from the very beginning and uh it was early enough that we had high schoolers in schools and we had middle schoolers in schools but kindergarten hadn't started yet and that would have been another order of complexity we have all the elementary schools going full force too so you so after the after the quake you initially weren't didn't fully appreciate the magnitude because of kind of where you were and how you experienced it yeah i mean in some ways it was almost serene i was watching the world shake itself to bits but i was thinking oh well maybe i'm going to join the universe here but it wasn't traumatizing in the same way i went in checked on the school Things seemed to be okay. And I knew it was big enough that it was time to check on things. So I did what I was not supposed to do, which was first call home, see how everybody was at home, and everybody was okay at home, and the house seemed to be fine. And my second call was to the emergency operations center, and then that ends up kicking So did you when – did, when did it kind of hit you of like – maybe immediately. But when did it hit you where you're like, I'm the city manager. The city just experienced a fucking event. By the way, you can, if you want, you can say foul language on here. It's, oh, fantastic. It, yeah. Whatever you want. We'll buddy. see. Um, when did it hit you that I'm the city manager, you know, this is big. I got a, a lot of work to do. I, a lot of responsibility. That's an interesting question. I I think that's probably a half hour into after the emergency operations center has started. Because my, my path then is we all end up in the emergency operations center. I might have been the second or third person there just where was, because I was. Where's this at? It's, it's near Central Middle School. So it's E Street and... 13th, something like that. Um, so I get there with the head of the Office of Emergency Management, and in pretty short order, the two chiefs show up. Um, the police chief came, lights and sirens on, and the fire chief came, lights and sirens on. They knew that it was a very significant event because 911 was exploding. And so I was still there sort of saying, you know, let's get a handle on this. What a, what was the impact of that event? And not knowing if the answer was going to be, oh, it was a big earthquake, but nothing happened. They came in and said, we are emer- activating the emergency operations center right away. And so that sort of took us off to the races. Uh, once we do that, we call everybody in. And this building, which is normally a cavernous building with tons of computers that sit idle, 
is now a hum of activity because we pulled, we called in everybody. Every one of the seats at the emergency operations center is triple staffed so that we always can get a first team in there. And then when everybody shows up, we send some people home to go to sleep. But in any event, once everyone was there and we're seeing the hospitals and the school district and the utilities and uh, all the municipal entities, the state liaison, I think it was as we were thinking through the first press conference that sort of hit me that you know my role in that is to be part of the quarterback for the whole machine and here it is how many people total are like supposed to be there oh that's a great question i don't uh many dozen um but i i would i'd have to look at the police fire school hospital police fire school hospital salvation army health department nstar matanusco electric chugach electric uh, state liaison mlnp the port uh we've got chairs for just about did you did you think I mean, one of my first thoughts was, like, the port. Yes. I, I was like, shit. I think the port. Because my, my house shook so bad. I was I ran to my doorway, which I think, I don't know if you're supposed to do that or not. It was just in my head, go to the doorway. And I was literally being slammed on each side of my, the, you know, door, my door, doorway. Yeah, we were reminded in the event that actually that's not the right new story anymore. So they say it used to be that that was supposedly the strongest part of the structure, and now they say, no, just get under something. And then my but mind. on the port, yeah, um, that was one of the immediate things we thought of because we know the port is so fragile and is such a point of single point of failure vulnerability for us that I can remember calling the port probably an hour into it and asking the port director, Steve, is the port in the water and fully would not have all been surprised if he said yes. What he actually said was, uh, no, it didn't fall down, but we don't know if it's operable yet. And we were unloading uh, fuel from a tanker at the time, which we pulled off. We shut off the fuel lines and got them away. And then it, it took us a long time to f- to verify that the port was still serviceable. They were unloading fuel from a tanker when the earthquake hit? Yeah. That must have been something else. Yeah, and then they had to do all sorts of pressure checks on the uh, the valve yard and all of that to make sure it was still uh, capable of doing its work. So when when did you learn about the collapse of the road international in Minnesota? And when you heard when I saw that when I heard about that I said, "All right, fuck, this is like this could be really bad." Yeah, I don't know the one I fir- I can't remember when I first knew about it. I do recall that Becky Wynn Pearson, the municipal attorney. Uh, came in and said that she had been just on Minnesota and saw it. And she's like, oh, my Lord. So it was uh, top of mind early on that that had happened. And then, of course, all the pictures start showing up how about on the guy media. that? How about the guy that got his car got it collapsed and then yeah. he still went to the airport? He catches flight. Yeah. Like, talk about a classic. <laughs> talk about a legend. <laughs> um, so, okay, so by this point, you're there. There's the command center. When was your first, when was your first uh, briefing or pre- press briefing? The very first press briefing I was not a part of. I think the the order of the day, we go back and trace the history, was that the governor did something with the mayor while we were all getting our house in order at the emergency operations center. And then there was a very first briefing where uh, the mayor plus the chiefs plus Becky, the municipal attorney, said that we were declaring an emergency. We've stood up the emergency operations center. We're getting our hands on this and we'll come back. I didn't come in until the next press conference. And it was in that period where I sort of realized uh, I'm sort of uniquely positioned just by happenstance to that my day job involves working with the utilities and working with the airport and working with the bus system and the street system. So if if anyone's going to give an update that tries to give the full laundry list of everything we know and everything we're keeping our eye on, it's going to be me. So pretty early on, I mean, the school's 
kids got sent home. I remember I got my buddy, our power went out, and we said, I don't know, right or wrong, we were like, fuck, we're going to go check this out. We drove around, and there was it was weird. Yeah. A lot of traffic, a lot of power outages were in my part of town in South Anchorage, or kind of midtown South Anchorage. And then we started um, realizing pretty quick that the stores were closed. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, do we get supply? You know, what do we do? And then we went to the, it was so bizarre. It was so weird. We went to the kind of mini mart deal on Old Seward and Dowling, where they have like a liquor store, kind of the, we call it the Korean, the Korean zone, a Korean spot. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a gas. So we go, they were open. So we go in there and, and there was so many people buying booze. <laughs> it was like really crazy. And then we got a bunch of water and some like, you know, pizza, like some quick food. Yeah. But it was kind of interesting because there was a lot of people in there. And everybody was kind of, on some level, trying to hoard, but we were all kind of like, well, hold on, like, who needs water? And everybody was really cool about yeah. it. It and wasn't it, like a crazy, you know, rush to get everything for yourself. Yeah, everyone's pretty... sort of checking everybody else's homework, saying, there's not really a manual for what we're supposed to be doing right now. How do we get I did. Home? I did buy some whiskey, and, some, yeah. and this one guy had, like, two 24-packs, and... I was like, "What's up?" He's like, "He's like, oh yeah, I'm I'm stocking up." Yeah, and we didn't even realize from the beginning that we were going to have unending nonstop aftershocks for a week and a half. So <sighs> that was that, that night. I remember I was I actually eventually put some a cup of water on my table because I kept feeling yeah. I don't know if there were tremors or what if it was real or so I put a glass of water so I could see when it was real and when it was just in my imagination. Yeah. Yeah, we and something about that emergency operations center building, we just felt them all. Uh I don't know if it's on rollers or what the deal is, but we every single one of those little aftershocks, we'd all sort of grab the table and then look at each other. And then then we similarly we were having phantom aftershocks. Yeah, it was. It was, was that one? Was that one? I don't know. Definitely had some kind of it was you know almost traumatizing because every time it happened, I've been through many earthquakes, but you just have this like feeling of of shit. It's going to happen again. Yeah, and I told some others as I've given other presentations, people have come and talked about the earthquake. I grew up here, and as a Diamond High kid, had heard all the stories about 1964, but I don't think anybody ever said, after the big one, it's followed by an unending series of terrorizing mm-hmm. earthquakes. And um, so that was a uh, new revelation that we were figuring out in real time, um, but also kind of informed our own response to it. I mean, I vividly remember on the first day, one of the press conferences, the fire chief said something about kids, about you know holding your kids tight and helping them work through all of this. And then as I was trying to fall asleep that first night and not succeeding because every aftershock shot me full of adrenaline, that like, Everybody is experiencing this crazy, unending uh, lack of control. I mean, that every one of these was something that further underscored that the earth was angry and that you couldn't make it stop, right? There was the, and, and at that moment, I you know, woke up some early hour and said uh, to the health department director, is there a mental health update that we can do for people? And I think partly that ended up being pr- really well received. It turned into a bunch of news articles. Partly because people were excited that there was maybe some advice that we could give and some resources we could send people to, a phone number if you're having real crisis. But partly because I think we just gave everybody permission to say, hey, it is okay to be not 100% okay right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are all in that together. So the city, what kind of uh, practice or drills were done or were they done? Because I just feel like it was it was done – the response was just done so textbook properly. I mean, there was, I mean, I feel like for Anchorage, there was updates, there was, you know, there was press conferences, there was briefings, you were on the TV, there was like very, everything was communicated so well, and it, it just felt like it was almost 
rehearsed. It was so good. I mean, is there, was is that just? Well, can you talk about that? We we were we were trying to make it look that way for sure. <laughs> it, it felt that way because I want to talk. I want to talk a little bit about the valley because the valley was hit hard. That one road was totally fine, and some of the built you know buildings were really affected. And I don't know. I'm looking back. I I feel like they didn't give an update. I'm not even sure if they had one that day. Yeah, I think they came out a couple, maybe even a couple days later and had a whole parade of folks. I We really benefited from the fact that the mayor had hired as his communication director, Kristen DeSmith, who had come over from the university. And when she was at UAA, she had been part of their crisis communications team group. And so she came in with a lot of training on this. And very early on, maybe the first thing she said when she gets to the emergency operations center is, we're going to go on TV and tell everybody what we're doing and what we know and promise that we're going to come back. And I I mean, that was sort of key to the whole thing. Not only did it help us with public it's so, communications. It's so, it's so simple, but it's just a lot of people don't and I, you know, that. And I don't know that we would have been smart enough to figure that out on our own, but for Kristen telling us to do that. So I give her a tremendous amount of credit for that. Um, but it, I, it, I think it not only served the job of really telling people what was going on and what they needed to know, but it sort of gave them comfort that there would be continuing check-ins where we would tell just about everything that we knew and let people know the best information that we had. So so kids went home from school, parents had to come get them, or the, I mean, was there buses? Like, how'd that all work with the schools? That ended up being a little chaotic, and the initial communication um, said something like the parents are, can come get their children. It, we had them then, more, I think, more fully clarify that the schools were closing. Um, the uh, I don't have perfect visibility into that because the way the emergency ends up getting handled is that all of the tasks get subdivided to the people who can handle them best. And so the, the school district was operating out of its own emergency operations center. We had a liaison, um, but they handle all of those details. I think uh, there was some combination of parents retrieving kids, some combination of buses, and then there were a bunch of kids that got aggregated in different places that had to go be retrieved at some point. What, what do you, I mean, what do you attribute... To me, it just seems like luck that nobody was killed. I just, my a friend of mine, Dennis Kniebel, he posted a picture uh, of his bed, and behind his bed, like a head headboard type, but it was like a yeah. tall headboard with a mirror. And he posted a picture, and that whole thing had fallen. Yikes! And he was not in bed, but I mean that that would have imagine a big mirror yeah. falling on you. I just can't believe nobody got killed. Yeah, and even the injuries were pretty and injured. I mean, I mean, there was a few broke. Broken thing, bones maybe? I think the school district said they had maybe two kids or something that experienced some kind of injury. Yeah, I, I mean, part of it is is a, a luck component. Part of it is that we really have had legitimate building codes that we have been enforcing for decades since 1964, so we learned some lessons from them. But, um, you know, combination of thoughtful planning and then luck is probably the magic that made it all happen. Were you dealing, um, was Eagle River, I mean, it's in the Anchorage Bowl, was that something you were dealing with, or did they have their own? Oh yeah, people uh, out there. Where you I, deal? Was that your all you too? So the municipality of Anchorage is. You know, I don't think I appreciated this until I was the municipal attorney. The municipality of Anchorage is the size of Delaware. We are more like a borough than we are like a city. I think it's the biggest city by by isn't it the biggest city by well, one depends. of the biggest cities by land? It or? depends on how you score it. You Google Wikipedia's biggest cities. I think that all of them are Alaskan because what we have done. We, you know, we're going all the way into the weeds. One of the unique things that the Constitution did in Alaska was create a different kind of local government arrangement. And it didn't really work as well as they thought it was going to be. We're going to have these cities and boroughs. In a lot of places, all of the cities melted into the boroughs and became unified municipalities. Like Anchorage, Anchorage used to be the Anchorage Borough Assembly and the Anchorage Assembly. That's right. In 1975, we did that too. So we are more like a borough than like a city. We're more like a county for the lower 48. But that means all of our cities are huge. So I think uh, this, I think it might be Wrangell 
or Sitka that maybe wins the prize if you do it that way. But as far we're, as, we're pretty big. As, so as far as like a large yeah. city, we're by far yeah. huge. With we have a lot of mountains Eagle going River over to these, but we, Gird- we start up at the Kinnick River and go all the way down to the sign, Welcome to the Kenai Peninsula Borough. So, I mean, that was that was the first task, which is to say we've got to get our hands around all of this. Our responsibilities run all the way to the north, Chugach, Eagle River, Birchwood, Peters Creek, and all the way down to the south, Girdwood, Portage, and all the points in between, Indian Bird, Rainbow. Um, and, and, and so that that is a pretty monumental thing, but we have a lot of assets to throw at that too. Did you? When did you kind of realize how how destructive it was for Eagle River? I mean, the, some of the houses, the McDonald's, the school. Yeah, we, I mean, we we certainly knew about the road very early on because when uh, as we're first getting our hands around it, we, the task was initially to stand up a sort of response apparatus. So you'd asked how we got through all of this. Many components of the municipality had already been trained on the off-the-shelf incident command system. So after we say we're activating the emergency operations center, we say, all right, what's our structure? We're going to have two incident commanders. Initially, it's going to be the police chief and the fire chief. And then we have everybody falling under their usual incident command system roles. I became the planning section chief, which actually meant that we sort of scrambled our user hierarchy. Some folks that on a typical day report to me, now we're, I was reporting to them. Um, once we have that structure in place, we figure out what do we want to focus on. The initial tasks were five. They were figure out uh, the keep the utilities on, keep the roads open, keep everybody warm because we knew there were going to be some people who wouldn't have a place to stay overnight. We had some concerns about scarce resources because that we needed to get diesel fuel to the northern half of the municipality. Uh, and then the fifth was just to get a handle on all of our major infrastructure. But we knew, uh, to the Eagle River question, that the Glen Highway had been seriously impacted, and we we didn't have the same level of, of detail on structural damage until much because further down the road. That that previous summer, they had the the bridge strike with the truck, right? Yeah, and in some ways, the sort of deeper hidden history of all of this was the bridge strike was actually uh, in some ways helpful for us for the November 30th earthquake because it had trained us to more seriously, not more seriously, but to to do better messaging, I think, so that when we got through the bridge apocalypse show, um, I think one of our lessons after that was to say we need to do a better job of public messaging when we have these kinds of events. So that helped us get on top of it earlier on November 30th. Yeah, the other funny thing, we were, I told you, we, were, we did, Kale and I, my buddy, were out kind of getting videos, and, and made, we made a three- or four-minute video later, and, and Paxson was um, on the computer just doing updates. But then we did some of the, the memes started, you know, and there was one of, I don't know, I think it got taken down, but it was a picture of you kind of, and it was like, I think it was like, ladies, do you find me attractive? Or did you remember that oh, one? Oh, I, I, yes, I did I, see I, that I, I one. I got taken down. I don't know. I remember seeing it, and it was, you were just kind of looking kind of suave, a little Rico suave or something. And it was like, ladies, do you find me physically attractive? I don't think it was quite that bad. I think it was, uh, uh, there's a, there's another meme that I was based on. It was the, um, uh, the, the, pull it up here. is there it were, damn girl? Is it called damn girl? Is that what it is? Oh yeah. I think it was, it might've been that yeah. one. Yeah. But there was, there was so many, we did that article I showed you just with the memes afterwards mm-hmm. and it had a, you know, almost two, one and a half thousand shares and, there was so many of them were so... I mean, you probably weren't really appreciating that. No, I was going to tell you, I absolutely was appreciating that. I would think it was probably the second day that I was finding some time to do that. But I vividly remember sitting on my own couch at probably two in the morning and going through that article because they were fantastic. I think and the, then we were so punch drunk and tired by the end of it that I think the very last press conference, I even thanked everybody for creating all the memes. Yeah, no, I, yeah, that's right. I remember that. Um, 
I think that one of my favorites was with was Ethan because it was a no shave November. Yeah. So it happened to be of you know thirty days of not shaving, and there was a picture of him fr- from the one of the press conferences, and he just looked like this beard, and he looked defeated, and like a I don't know like a homeless guy. Yeah. So there was a the <laughs> campaign picture of him with his hands on his hips, smile, you know, very like put together and then there was a, one of him in the press conference and it was like me before the earthquake me yeah. after the earthquake yeah. I've been circulating that one to the best extent that I can too I, all of my presentations where people have asked me to come talk I've shown that one as one of our favorite means that was probably the first one because you know we were monitoring social media too we got pretty lucky that we never really lost internet connectivity or phone communications but we were monitoring social media because we wanted to swat down things that were rumors that were not true like we're going to turn off all of the water system that was not true we were all getting good intel people were saying there's a waterline break mm-hmm. over here um but while we were looking at that for those purposes all the memes start showing up too and so that that actually really lightened our load and sort of levied our spirits in the in the operation center too so i remember when that one first showed up that was sort of when we all started laughing I'll, I'll, for the first time i'll pull up some of these i mean there's this one there's um there's the boss is like you're still coming to work right, right with the right. car the truck on the <laughs> collapsed highway um what are some other ones there was some really good ones the hills are alive I like I like the naked and afraid one because mm. I mean a lot of people well, were in the shower eight thirty it's time to be in the shower. Um, well, that's your story, right? The naked and that's, afraid. Well, yeah, uh-huh. that was the, the roommate. It's close to home. And then uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's his? How do you like? How do you like Alaska with? Um, what's his name? Sean Connery. Sean Connery, shaken, not yeah. stirred. Yeah. Anyway, there there was so many. Where's the one with Ethan? This is my favorite one. Was the one? Oh yeah, like like <laughs> Tom Jones. Men, unless you look like me, don't sleep naked tonight. <laughs> Where is the, I got to find the Ethan one? I think it's in here somewhere, folks. If you want to, I'll put a link to the uh, the meme. Oh, there it is. Here it is. I'll put a link Classic. to the um, article in the podcast in the description with um, the article with the memes. But but yeah, you got the Ethan me this morning versus me right now. I'm looking at him. He just looks like that beard. He's got this crazy beard. Sort of Obi Wan on Tatooine. I think. He's like that. I think even didn't tr- Trump tweeted right about he did. at some point he yeah. and then there was a story I think it was KTV um, it was KTVA because they had changed it but do you remember early on there was some something out there that was somebody had said oh the second one's coming get brace it there's a there's a big one coming yeah and, and I remember reading it and thinking like Fuck, no one knows that right. yeah. you can't predict that. Yeah, there was some sort of predictive model that said that there's likely to be an aftershock of some flavor, and then that got somehow spooled around to where everyone said this was only the, the foreshock, not the actual main event. But no one that no, no one knows that to be true. This one actually I made. So do you remember oh, the? Do you, yeah. remember, do, you remember, do you remember the guy on that, Fox? I think it was Fox, or and he was like, "I'm from you know, I've been to Alaska. And yes. there's the Minnesota Drive very affected all the way, you know, because Anchorage down, take it down to the Aleutians. Remember he, that? Yeah, that was amazing. He so, said it with such confidence. I am an expert. I know exactly where Minnesota Drive goes. So I actually made this one. Yeah. I just I just said, you know, map of Minnesota goes all the way. It's a major highway that goes from Alaska to the Aleutians. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! Fantastic. Actually, this is the one I made. Um, this is the one I made. Calculate how to get to ADAC using Minnesota <laughs> Drive. And it just this, this red line through the water. Oh, it's just like it's funny we can look back now, but when you think about how, you know, just crazy that day was. It's it's like nine eleven. It's just very you remember kind of everything. Yeah, very vivid. And I and it, yeah, it's such an available memory. And I think for us who who knew that we didn't get to di- didn't go home and then just handle our business and handle our family and check out our houses who had to live that that was sort of our only job for that first week 
uh, it's such an available memory. I've told some others, like, I, you know, you read all the story about PTSD, and I don't think we have PTSD about the whole thing, but I do think yeah, that there, there's something like I can, I mean, those memories seem so much more recent to me, like, and more vivid and real, and, and just must have been something about the level of adrenaline in our brains or something while we were going through all of it. It's pretty kind of lucky, too. If you look at the calendar, you know, the fourth Thursday fell a week before. So this, you know, this year, the fourth Thursday, I mean, if it was, you know, it could have been day after Thanksgiving, mm, which yeah. which I'm, I think it's probably better it wasn't that because, you know, people Fewer were traveling, people all the... Yeah. Um, so going forward, I mean, if and I know there was this fire over the summer and there was similar, not nearly as big, but also it was a big deal because it was like, got to get the fire out, got to tell people what's going on. For a big event like that, I mean, what it, is this city... Kind of right. I mean, it looks we were the, the guys did such a good job for the earthquake. Like, what what's kind of going forward if something happens? It seems like the, the response is pretty pretty solid. Is there yeah, a good, good infrastructure in place? We wanted to do more, and we will do more training events of our emergency operations center. We've had some new hires come in since November thirtieth, and we I was actually in my office on the day of the Martin Luther King Drive fire, talking to the new head of our emergency operations office and saying that we wanted to do more drills. And she looked over my shoulder and saw a giant plume of smoke, and then immediately said, "We got to go to the emergency." operations center uh, what we learned from that though was that that was a real-time event in lieu of a drill and it uh it served all the purposes of the drill was supposed to serve the, for those of us who have now done both there is kind of a muscle memory to it and i think some of the lessons that we internalized was about the rapid immediate communication to the public and the promise to keep telling people that we were going to come back until there was nothing else to say um, and so in some ways it uh, you know brought us right back to November 30th when we were doing the MLK response when did um, how, how long were you there for that day for the earthquake up when oh, did you go home man when did I, we you know they they we try very hard to do shifts so that someone is always really well rested I think I was dismissed probably at 11 p.m. But like I confessed earlier, I don't think I fell asleep till four in the morning or something because it was just so wired. Um, but we were in and out of that emergency operations center pretty much the whole week. I just, again, say the the response and the communication was so good. I think it really put a lot of people at ease to, to know what's happening. Also, you know, I don't know if you were I'm sure you were listening. Dave Steeren and Kurt um, Heider hmm. did the KFQ. They were on there pretty much all day hmm. doing the Dave came in. Kurt was doing the news and then. Dave came in. So they were on the radio all day, just t- taking calls, talking to folks, giving updates. And that was another really good place to get information. Yeah, I wasn't listening to the, the radio station. We had some people who were doing it because we were trying to monitor what we were, people were surfacing and trying to figure out how to get ahead of any rumors. Um, but, but the impression that we had in the Emergency Operations Center was also really favorable for that crew of folks that um, across the dial, people were being really responsible, trying to squash down rumors to keep people good information. We did learn that we probably have a still unfinished homework assignment of figuring out how to get our own bat phones into those radio stations because there were a couple times we did hear things that were not true and when we called the main number we busy. ended up on on hold just like everybody else and so we or it was busy find, yeah, yeah and then to find our own way we need to figure out how to find a that's way that's a good that yeah way. having a number because because there i mean i've done radio there is numbers you can call like direct that yeah. bypass the, the main call-in number and i know that's on our list of things if we haven't already done it that we're going to scoop all those all up for for next go around and what's your big takeaway i mean from the whole thing yeah, I I think uh, one of the things that we have been working on over the last year is really scrimmaging what would have happened if we had lost communications. I've said 
that we were very lucky that we didn't because the internet was so helpful for us to get information and to push information back out. We had some communication hiccups where we actually lost the fire department's 911 system for a while because the backup generator didn't work. Um, but we have been putting systems in place to really figure out what will we do if we lost all of that. And that meant we have a cache of handheld radios that we're distributing to the emergency operations center and then to all of the different floors in the municipality so that we can really we have our own microwave system that the municipality maintains for the police and, and fire responders um, so that we could get through it if all those systems failed. We put 24-7 posturing in on the emergency operations center in a more official way now so someone is always sort of in the, the hot seat to go be the first one there and to turn it all on. We had better language information now because um, we were sort of scrambling to help people who didn't speak English throughout all of this. Mm-hmm. And so we've gotten a grant actually to sort of work on all of that. Did you feel like when you were there and you were given updates and you, you went to the press conference, did you feel like was there more you wanted to say or did you just kind of say what you what you knew or did you feel like I guess what did you say and what did, did you want to say more or did, how, how did you determine what you were going to say? I think that we made sort of an unstated design choice from the very beginning that we were going to tell people just about everything we knew just about everything that we were working on and just about all the stuff that we were hoping to figure out by the time we were coming back next time. So I had my notes in front of me and I walked down every bit of it. So it was electricity, communications, gas, infrastructure, sheltering needs, other major things going on. Um, and and in some ways, what I've told some others, it kind of rendered visible all this stuff that we're responsible for on a typical day. I mean, uh, you know, we're the people who are supposed to be caring about the sewer pipes and the water pipes and uh, garbage delivery. And so that all of a sudden became very visible. I, uh, I don't think there was ever more that we wanted to say. I will say that one of the things that was sort of uh, emotionally challenging about it is that we always told the truth and nothing but the truth. There were times we didn't tell the whole truth. Like, for instance, on the first day, we didn't know the status of the port. And we weren't going to go out there on the very first day and say, hey, I have no idea if we're going to be able to get groceries uh, for the next month. Um, so it was, that kind of came online later. But no, I, I think we were sort of guided by our own sense of what would we want to know if we were on the other side of the television. And, you know, we all knew that it was our own family and friends mm-hmm. on the other side of the television. So what am I telling my kids about what's if- happening right now? If the port would have, had, you know, collapsed or been unusable, I mean, I've heard of, we have about 10 days. Is that kind of the 10 Yeah, days I've so- heard somewhere between 7 and 10. There are some kind of contingency plans, but nothing can really get the volumes that we typically get in in a reliable way. And so the acute natural disaster would have turned into this slower-moving resource disaster. Well, I've, I've heard different ideas of you know, air, air cargo, very expensive, or you get, you know, the ships come and they have to be, transfer via helicopter or something you know but but much 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 more costly and, and much more time consuming than yeah for sure I mean, you can do things by planes but the amount of planes that you would need to equal one matson or tote ship is got to be in the hundreds i would think and then if you go to alternative areas you got to bring all things on trucks so you've got thousands of trucks moving all around uh, you could put stuff on rail but uh, there's all sorts of complications and rate limiting factors there so you know before the earthquake the status of the port was just about the top of the list of public policy things that we're trying to fix after the earthquake it remains uh, just about the top of the list um, the, the port really does three business lines it has 80 percent of all the cement we use for construction all around the state it has most of the fuel we use all the military fuel and then last all the stuff all the cargo 
We are now in a place where we will have a solution for petroleum and cement. So by 2021, we'll say, okay, we're now confident that we have a facility that is new and seismically resilient for that. We don't yet have the solution for cargo in place, and so that is part of our unfinished That's business. That's a whole, whole different podcast about yeah. the port. Maybe is that you or is that maybe the port people? More than Mary. We could all get together. I got, I got three mics here. Extra chairs, we, yeah. We, we did, you, you heard the Mark podcast. Mark Corsentino and Mark Sanford. The Spafford. S- Spafford, sorry. sorry yeah. Spafford. Sp- solid Way Services and um, AWU. Yeah. Those guys are very high energy. They are. And they, they've been co-conspirators for years. So it was a great was podcast. A good team. We, had a, we couldn't, the door was locked and we had to kind of jimmy the door open. Anytime you can talk about burning poop, then, I mean, right. you're was, already ahead of the game. That's, that's a whole different yeah. level. Garbage water. I mean, it's not firing on all cylinders. Well, you have a good team over there at the Muni. So I wanted to, you know, again, thank you for coming in. Great, great podcast. And tomorrow's Thanksgiving. So uh, recording it. What today's date? Twenty. Recording this on twenty seventh. I'm going to launch it on the thirtieth. So, so great. By then, you'll have uh, had Thanksgiving. But I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, it's getting to be kind of dark here on Wednesday. So what's your, what are your plans? Going home, getting the turkey ready? or That's right. We had special requests. I have young kids, so they make strange requests. So they asked for lasagna and pho. So we're going to have... Oh, and popcorn. What? So they, they, I guess we got a book from the library that said there was popcorn at the first Thanksgiving. Now, I didn't read this book yet. My wife did, but I'm going to verify this. But they, she so said they there was po- popcorn at the first Thanksgiving, and so Stella said I want popcorn. So, so they ate popcorn back then? Maybe they did. I don't know. I mean... Corn is a new world food, right? So pop it been around. Well, why some, not? Get some heat. And I was like, like, I don't think I've ever served popcorn at any kind of meal. But that seems like a cool tradition if it's true. Go to the ballpark. Yeah. I go to Eddie's Sports Bar, but just unrelated. They have a little mm. popcorn machine. Great popcorn. No. Take, what takes it to the next level? I don't right? know. Just really good. They do something with the butter. I don't know. It's good. Okay. Well, um, Bill Falsey, city manager, thanks again for coming in and talking about this. I, I think it's on a lot of our minds. You know, it's, it seems like it doesn't seem like a year to me. No, no, it definitely seems like it is uh, much closer. And although I think uh, it's also a good reminder that if you have not yet completed your emergency preparations and don't have a go bag and seven days worth of that's stuff, a, it's time that, to That's a good, I think that. a lot of even me, I mean, I, you know, I got the flashlights and, but yeah, food, water, just different things. It's good to have, I think, you know, what's, what's this the state's week? Got a, what's the kind of. Yeah, I think seven days is a good metric. The state has a website, ready.alaska.gov. It's got a checklist for stuff that you should have in your garage or somewhere else ready to go. My, 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 uh, my buddy who I live with, he like right away, he like filled up the bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> is he from like tornado country? I don't know. He's like, like you got to fill the bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> we, we grew up in New Mexico, so uh-huh. um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty smart, I guess, right? Yeah. Get, the, get the water. Can't hurt. Can't hurt. Well, thanks again, Bill, for coming in, and um, we'll do another. You're a fun guy for podcasting. We should do another one. Well, thanks for having me. I guess I'll say yes, and then a year and a half yeah, from now, I'll finally f- wake my way back five, in. Five years like later, that. we yeah. can do it. Yeah, it'll be fantastic. We should do a port, call it a portcast. We could do a portcast. Get, get somebody from the port. We can talk That'd about that. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you coming in, Bill. Have a good Thanksgiving, and uh, happy one year. Well, likewise, and if we are in the future, if it's November 30th now, I hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. I like and that. And that we See? did not... Get together for an earthquake. That's why you're. That's why you're a lawyer. You yeah. can have that kind of yeah. forward thinking. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, thanks for listening. And if you have an idea for a podcast or want to do a podcast, get a hold of me, and we'll talk to you next time. Landline.